0: you get an average of 10 to 40 times more clicks on a natural non-paid result than you do on a paid result, even though that paid ad shows up first.
1: You're listening to Damon Burton, founder of the high-performing search engine optimization company, SEO National. During our conversation, we talk about some of the key strategies behind getting found on Google and other search engines, but we also share great tips on how to get your first client outsource while maintaining quality, and grow your business without spending a small fortune on advertising. And you're about to hear it all, because Damon is today's guest on Solopreneur Success.
2: Welcome to the Solopreneur Success Podcast, where successful business owners gather to share true stories and sound advice to help you start and grow your own solopreneur business. Come soar with us and design the life you love. Now, here's your host, Steve Combs.
1: Hello, solopreneurs. Today, I'm interviewing Damon Burton, a founder of the highly successful seven-figure SEO agency, SEO National. I'll give you about a half a second to guess today's main topic. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) We're going to help you figure out how to get people to find your website when they search for the kind of solutions your business offers. It's going to be some great stuff in this call, so plan to take some notes. And Damon, welcome to the show.
0: Hey, Steve. I appreciate the opportunity to chat with you.
1: Hey, I appreciate you taking the time to join us today. Let's start right at the beginning. I mean, you're a founder of a major SEO company, but what got you down that road in the first place? Why SEO and how did you get involved in that?
0: Well, we could probably answer that two ways. I'll give you the short answer. And then depending on where we go from there, maybe we get into the long answer. So the short answer is I was always kind of into computers. And when I first got into it, you know, the internet wasn't quite mainstream yet. It's certainly starting to go commercial and starting to go mainstream. So I just kind of had like one of those little interests and I just took opportunities I could. I didn't have computers at home when I was younger and so i take advantage of school and this and that. And then I eventually started a hobby site on the side and it started to gain some traction. And so I, I said, well, how do I attract more visitors? And so I got into learning design better. And then I said, how do I monetize this? And so then I got into marketing and then I just took that experience and started having side clients. And I reached a point where I said, hey, I can cut out the day job and free up 80% of my time, but only lose 50% of my income. But at the time, I wasn't making a ton. I didn't have you know a family yet. So I said, if I'm going to take this risk, now is the time. And so I quit the day job and embraced that 50% of my side hustle income and just ran with that. And 12 years later, here we are.
1: Sweet. So why SEO? I mean, you were already kind of using it, I guess, to promote your own hobby site. Is that what's going on?
0: Well, when I first started my company, it was more in design. and. I had a client come to me and say, Hey, tell me about this Google thing. And I said, I know enough, but it is definitely not my area of expertise. And I said, you take a risk on me and I'll take a risk on you. And here's what we're going to do. You know, here's the benchmarks. Don't pay me nothing unless we hit these benchmarks and we hit those benchmarks. And 12 years later, they're actually still a client. And then they had referred me my second client who is also still a client. And so after about that second client, I said, I don't want to be the jack of all trades, so if I'm going to pivot from design to something else, then it's going to be SEO. And so now SEO is my thing. And so from there, I just kind of went all in on SEO.
1: Yeah, that's a great tip too. And I want to make sure our listeners are picking up on this. You know, when you're getting started and are like, okay, why would somebody hire me? Why not offer that you know performance-based compensation because yeah you're both taking a risk there but that gives them a reason to say hey i've got skin in the game and perhaps you are just getting off the ground with a new business i think that's a great tip you kind of just threw out there but i want to make sure that uh. wasn't missed so that was just you getting started i believe right
0: yeah so it was kind of like a one-man show for a year or two you know maybe a year and a half i mean we're talking i was like 23 24 something like that and um, so it was just cool to be self-employed so for the first year that's that's what it was and then about a year into it, I said, you know, I got something really good here. I should probably be more strategic about this. And so at that point, I started to scale and I hired my first virtual assistant. And then, you know, fast forward a year or two later, I was listening to Tim Ferriss's four-hour work week. And the main thing I took away from that book was, why do I only have one VA? And so six weeks later, I had four. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's been a fun journey. And I mean, like I said, that's kind of the abbreviated version. We got a million tangents we can go from there, but yeah.
1: That's interesting. Now, I'm curious. Do you have W two employees now, or are you is it all virtual, 1099 type of workforce, or how do you handle your business these days? I mean, it's grown quite a bit.
0: Yeah, so it's a hybrid. I have some stateside employees, but half my teams in the states, half my teams in the Philippines. And probably a good area of discussion that we can talk about for aspiring entrepreneurs is in addition to SEO. But you know, how do you outsource while maintaining quality control? Because a lot of times, when new entrepreneurs want to scale and they're reaching that stretching point where they're like, I need somebody, but I don't have enough cash flow to like hire straight up talent. And so maybe I need to hire somebody that's a little more affordable or that I can train them. You know, overseas outsourcing is a great option. But the main thing that I really try and educate aspiring entrepreneurs on with outsourcing is you don't have to be afraid. I understand why when it's your first time outsourcing, you're like, I I don't want this to be bad quality control. The thing you got to remember is they are only going to be as bad as the documentation you give them. So if they suck, it's your fault. <laughs> so, you know, you, re- you really got to sit down and go, okay, what can I comfortably document or build a process out of or put in my CRM or my task management system? And as long as they can read and follow directions, they can't screw it up. So you really got to sit down and think, okay, what can I communicate very efficiently? And that's where you want to start outsourcing.
1: That's great. And the nice thing about doing that too is anytime you create documentation of what you're doing, you can also see, am I doing more steps than really is necessary? Uh, it helps you kind of streamline your own process. And it's going to help you move yourself out of the driver's seat so you can let somebody else do the work and you just bring in the money. I think that's just smart business right there. And obviously we're talking about SEO today. And I, I love the idea of diving into you know, how do you work a virtual assistance more because we've had you know virtual assistants on the show. But the other perspective is. You're hiring somebody as a virtual assistant. And so you're putting money out there. You want to make sure you're getting what you're paying for. Any horror stories in that side of the world?
0: Not for me, no. I've been very fortunate. I try to front load my effort in hiring talent. And so I can kind of minimize that risk later. So the one thing that I have to recommend is when you're putting out these job listings is to kind of put an Easter egg right in the middle of the job listing. So you kind of stack your job listing into three parts. Like the top of the job listing is you know, you relate to them and you say, Hey, here's where I'm at and here's where you're at. And I want to offer you this opportunity and here's your conversation. And then at the bottom, you say, here's how you contact me. And it's the middle part that people skip over. And so in the middle is where you take the opportunity to identify quality talent because you say, if you are interested in this opportunity, contact me in this very specific way with this very specific message. So an example I'll use contact me. It's on Skype. Here's my Skype ID. And you must copy and paste. I'm really interested in the super duper bodacious SEO job, like something ridiculous that nobody would ever write. But what that does is it, it eliminates the people that don't listen and don't follow directions. And that's what you need in a VA is somebody that is detailed and will follow directions.
1: Yeah, that's great. You don't need a skimmer that's going to be handling your business affairs on the side because yeah. they won't follow what you need. So as far as SEO goes, I think most people know in business that SEO helps people find you on. Google or Yahoo or Bing or whatever they're using. I think that's kind of a no-brainer, but I don't know that everybody knows exactly how important SEO really is in getting found and how much of an impact it can potentially have on their company's bottom line. So I wonder if you can maybe speak to what is that potential impact and why is it so big?
0: Yeah. So let's start with just a really basic explanation of SEO. So SEO stands for search engine optimization. And what that is Is you structure your website and its content in a way that you show up higher on Google for words that you can monetize. So what's really interesting to me lately in these discussions that I've had with you know on other podcasts and other aspiring entrepreneurs is that it seems like there's such an interest lately in like the flashy, shiny thing, like whatever the latest trend is. And it's almost like SEO is becoming this afterthought. And it's really interesting because it can still drive so much traffic. So an example of If we want to compare it directly to something, we'll compare it to pay-per-click. And so if you go and you do Google AdWords and you pay for an ad, a lot of people don't realize is that people get what's called banner blindness and they see the ad and they skip over it. So yes, ads are quicker. And I don't think like when I talk about SEO versus anything, I don't think it's a zero sum game. So I don't think there's anything wrong with these other options and they'll vary depending on your industry, whether, you know, which is more viable or not. But with SEO, if we're comparing it directly to paid ads for this conversation, you get an average of 10 to 40 times more clicks on a natural non-paid result than you do on a paid result, even though that paid ad shows up first. And so you get way more better intent of a customer, so higher conversions. And as long as the only two things you need with SEO you know, you have to have some cash flow, which we'll talk about in advance, because the second thing is, is it's slow. And so as long as you have the patience to let SEO take effect, the return is usually significantly higher.
1: Yeah, 10 to 40 times, actually. That's a huge bump, which would make a tremendous difference. Now, how high up on a search engine's result page, actually page one, is everybody here knows, you need to be on page one. But how high up on page one does it have to be before it makes a significant jump like that?
0: The rough averages are the first natural result is going to receive 70% of the clicks. And collectively, the first three results are going to receive approximately 90% of the clicks. So definitely page one is where you want to be. So as you start an SEO campaign, you don't pay attention to the clicks at first because you can go from page 20 to page nine, which is a huge increase. But you're going to see probably zero clicks out (laughs) of that increase. So it depends on where you're at in the SEO process and what you pay attention to. So at first, you just pay attention to the trend lines of your ranking and is not moving forward? And then once you hit page one, you might start to see, like the bottom of page one, you're going to see some clicks. But at that point is where you can start to transition on what metrics you measure. Do you, do you continue to measure rankings or do you start measuring the traffic and conversions? So de- page one is definitely where you want to be at in the end game.
1: Yeah, that's great. And a lot of great information there too, because like you said, if you're getting zero clicks on page nine and zero clicks on page 20, does it really matter? it does because it matters on what's your trend line whether or not you're moving towards a higher ranking position and are you able to keep that improvement and what kind of things actually would make an improvement in a trend line
0: so the basics of seo i mean there's a lot of things involved but you can categorize it down to two buckets so in the first bucket you have what's called on-page optimization and so this is going to be is does your website log quickly is it structured cleanly is it mobile friendly And then the second bucket is kind of the external credibility. Now, the majority of your gains usually come from that second bucket, but that second bucket won't take effect until you have that solid foundation. So usually you tackle that first bucket first, make your website load quickly, make it mobile friendly, make it have good structure. Then after that, you go all in on building the credibility, the brand awareness. So you work on content, you work on building a buzz and an awareness around your brand, get other people to talk about you, other websites to talk about you. And then within that, it breaks down to lots of other things, but it primarily is those two categories.
1: And that's interesting. So your firm actually helps people do all of these things or just some of those?
0: We do it all. Over the years, when we started as more of a budget provider, we would kind of do things here and there. But the problem that we ran into and reason why we grew as an agency is because we realized that business owners are busy being business owners. So if you start to do a la carte SEO services, then all the other things that need to be taken care of don't get done because they they need to run their business. So yeah, you know, 10, 12 years ago, we were 300 bucks a month and, and we would do these basic things, the structure, and then we would advise on the content strategy, but them being busy running their day-to-day just didn't happen. So the next phase was, okay, well, we'll write the content, but you're the subject matter expert, so tell us some topics. It was the same problem, even though it was less of a responsibility. They still had to run their business. And so eventually we said, All right, you know, how can we provide more value to our clients before we raise these prices? We have to have it make sense and not just raise prices. And so eventually we said, Okay, let's just streamline this whole process. And so now when we bring on a client, we fix all that bucket one stuff and then we build out an ongoing content calendar. And this is where the listeners can start to pick up some free advice. So what we do with our clients is we build out a 52 week content calendar. And the reason why we go so far in advance is because some days you're in the writing groove and some days you're not. And so you can be way more productive if you just have your roadmap on what you're going to write about. So we front load the research where we say, okay, what is the industry talking about? What are our competitors talking about? What are our clients and customers searching for? And let's write content around that. They're already asking these questions. Let's become the answers to those. So yeah, we eventually took it all under our wing and it's made a huge difference on the success of our clients because then you can just streamline and so there's the answer to that. And then if you want, we can kind of dive into, you know, how listeners can do some of that on their own.
1: Yeah, sure. And it's funny that you mentioned about, you know, what are people searching for? And I know there's different tools out there that help you discover that. You have Google Trends and others out there. What kind of tools do you use to find out what are people actually looking for?
0: My favorite that I recommend, especially to listeners like this audience, where they're aspiring entrepreneurs or or just kind of getting their foot in the door is a free resource. Like I'm always big on giving away free resources. So answerthepublic.com is a great website that's free. And you go to answerthepublic.com. And and what that site does is you go to the homepage and there's this guy that's going to give you anxiety because he's bobbing his head and he's like, what are you going to input? (laughs) If you ignore that guy, there's a little field and you type in whatever you want to rank for. So the example I always give is, let's say you're a shoe retailer. So you just type in shoes. And then on the next screen, what it's going to do is it's going to go pull from all these resources. And a great example is Google autocomplete. So if you go to Google and you start typing in something, it tries to start predicting what you're getting at and filling in the blanks for you. Well, answer the public will go pull those those results and start to go, okay, every time we start to type in shoes, Google is suggesting women's shoes, men's shoes, hiking shoes, whatever. Because historically, that's what Google identifies that people want. And so that means people are asking that. And so we're going to capture that data. And so when you go to answer the public and you type in whatever your keyword is that you want to rank for, you're going to get all of those sample queries that your customers are already asking. So I'll give you a great example. We worked with the Utah Jazz, the NBA team. And so we did profiles on their new high-profile players, but then we also did their two historical legends like John Stockton and Carl Malone. And so we typed in Carl Malone into answer the public and we got questions. We got data back that people are asking, how did Carl Malone die? Carl Malone isn't dead. (laughs) And so we could come up with topics that say the top 10 funny misconceptions about how Carl Malone died. And so like, that's a really extreme example, but what I'm trying to illustrate is Now the next person that goes and searches how did Carl Malone die, they're going to see your blog post that you wrote. And once their foot is in the door, hopefully your website is designed with good enough call to action that you just need them there. And then after that, your design holds their hand and takes them down whatever path you want them to go down to make a purchase or submit a lead. But that's a unique, but a very effective example of how to answer the questions that you're potential customers are already asking.
1: Yeah. And that's a great tool too. I love that answer to public. And it's funny how they do like like the wheel of all the different questions around a topic. And it really gives you those, what in the industry I know, you know, is called, you know, long tail keywords and such, mm-hmm. you know, how much does that play into your, your work with your clients? Is that a pretty big deal these days? I mean, I haven't done as much SEO as I used to. I'm a copywriter, but I, you know, I don't spend as much time in SEOs as I used to. How much yeah. do long tail keywords play into things as far as like those longer Threads of what people are searching for, like you know, the six, seven, eight word searches compared to like two or three words.
0: Yeah, we try to take a balanced approach. So for the listeners, what Steve is is illustrating is, you know, obviously you could just do a word like we'll continue to roll with Carl Malone. So you could do Carl Malone jerseys, which is very short and direct, and so that's going to have a higher search volume but more competition. Or you could do you know a longer tail keyword example might be something like Carl Malone's vintage purple mountain jersey. And so it's way longer, but way more specific. So you can apply that to any industry where there's the, the big search volume, like the pot of gold, but it's way more competitive. And then there's the one that's more specific. So there's advantages and disadvantages to both. And so we try and find a balance. And what those advantages and disadvantages are is obviously the short tail keyword has way more people searching for it but they're also have a larger percentage of people that are not going to convert because they're searching for something different about the caramel and Jersey. Maybe they want the Cara Malone, you know, old original purple and yellow Jersey, but the search query didn't qualify that. It just said caramel and Jersey. So the people that search the longer one, if you can rank for a longer tail keyword, that is the caramelone Malone vintage purple mountain Jersey you're not going to have as many people to search it, but you're going to have way more people convert that do search it. So it depends on the industry; it's going to vary. You know, it's better to have ten people convert out of twenty visits than one people can one person convert out of a hundred visits. So we try and find a balance where we say, "Hey, this is a big pot of gold at the end of the road. It's going to take eighteen months, and then here's the one that's going to convert way better." Try and balance what makes sense.
1: And something else I wanted to ask you because you work with this day in and day out, and I've only done you know more reading on the side of this, but I know Google takes into account what we call bounce rates for somebody visits a page and they're immediately off the website. And so it's not a good fit for the query for that person who visited the website. But how big of a role do you think that plays as far as you know keeping somebody's attention and perhaps they visit a second, third page on your website when they first get there compared to somebody who types in a query to Google, goes to the page, says, this is not for me, hits the back button, back to the query again, How much of a role does that play in the effectiveness of SEO campaigns?
0: Well, that's a great example. That ties into those keyword considerations if it's short tail or long tail. Obviously, the short tail keywords are going to have way higher search volume, but if they're too far off the mark into what the product or service or client offers, for the reason of bad bounce rate, we will decline those as targets. So, yeah, it's definitely a consideration. We don't want to just have a million hits a day and they're just completely irrelevant. So, we definitely try and dial it down into what are directly related to a product or service that our client offers just to make sure we protect that
1: bounce rate. Yeah, and that's good for you and your customer. And I mean, in your client's website and the people who are visiting it, you want it to be a good match because that's going to be in everybody's best interest. I mean, you don't want to talk to people who have no interest in what you can provide and they're not interested in visiting you if you can't help them either. So it just makes sense. You started obviously, you know, years ago, kind of bringing it around to the business side of things again. How do you find your clients today primarily?
0: In years, in the last year or two, I've learned more so how unique my company is. It's not entirely unique, but it's probably, you know, unique versus the majority of my industry because a lot of companies in SEO, they go for turn and burn. And so they just get a client and then if it doesn't work out, like they just say yes to everybody and they just have this constant cash flow, which, you know, more power to them, but I like to sleep at night. And so... (laughs) We don't take on everybody and we tend to work with lower quantity, higher quality clients. And so, I mean, we'll go months without a new client, but it's because we want the right clients. And that's really paid off in the long run because now once you get exposed to like an inner circle of certain quality of clients in any industry, and once you establish that relationship and the trust, then you come into the inner circle where they will freely refer you to their other successful partners. So we've been really fortunate in the sense that, you know, until last year, we never spent a dollar on advertising. And even last year, the only reason why we spent a dollar was for experimentation. So we've, met, we've fully sustained this business and we grow year after year, just strictly off of providing value and establishing trust within the right
1: industries. Right. And as you said earlier in the interview, you have customer number one and customer two are still your clients today. And this is what, like 12 years later, that's yeah. longevity.
0: That's really unique in any industry, but especially SEO
1: yeah, absolutely. I can say that's a hats off to you to, to keep somebody as a client satisfied that extent of time in this kind of an industry for sure. but any industry, like you said, that is certainly speaks to the value that you provide your clients. so my hat's off to you. that's terrific. So let's say that somebody comes to SEO National and says, "Hey, I, I would like to be your client, and this is my website." What's the first step? What do you do with a new client when you talk to somebody and assuming they meet the criteria you're looking for in a client? And maybe you can even share a little bit more about that if you want to, but what does that process look like, like an intake process?
0: The first thing we want to do is make sure that we can provide value to them. And so we'll, we'll kind of qualify their industry and see if it makes sense. Because just like I said, I like to sleep at night and I don't want to just cash a check. So we'll look at primarily three things. So the first thing is, is okay, what's the industry? Is it hyper competitive, like weight loss? Or is it just like super unique and you sell this widget in a small industry? Then the next thing we'll look at is their geographical or demographic targets. So is it a dentist in you know a small one small town versus something statewide versus national versus international? And then the last thing that we'll kind of look at is what's their website platform? Is it search engine friendly? Is it something like WordPress where you can access everything that you need to touch? Or is it something that's like Shopify where it's really good, but there's minor restrictions on some things you can't touch or is it like an old school manually built html website and we're going to have to touch every single page and so now that it's still optimizable but it's going to take way more time because you got to go through all these things manually because it doesn't have dynamic back end so depending on those three things we'll say okay that this is we feel confident that we can drive results or we don't and then assuming that we can then we move forward and say okay well Here's the timelines we're looking at. Here's the strategy we're looking at. And then we just kind of map it out from there to set really clear expectations. And I think that's part of what's provided to our longevity is there's no smoke and mirrors. And there's a lot of opportunity in SEO to do smoke and mirrors because it's such a slow process that you can just cash checks for months before a client starts to go, hey, I don't know if I'm moving the needle any. And so we try and establish that trust right out the gates where we say, even before they're a client, we say, okay, SEO is slow. Here's why. Here's what we're going to do, and here's the timelines. And then when they sign the contract, we go, okay, cool. Just remember that SEO is slow; it's going to take time. Here's why. And then, like month one, they we have scheduled touch points. And then, you know, one of the first email is, "Hey, here's how far we're at. Here's what we've done. Here's what we haven't done yet, and here's how long it's going to take." And so, the next thing that we do is just like beat the expectations to make sure that we really establish that trust. And the more you can educate your client the more they're going to be able to help you help them.
1: Yeah, that's always the case, I think, in any real industry. I mean, you can be in health. and you know, For example, I go to a chiropractor. I was talking about this on another show recently. And my chiropractor spent a lot of time actually educating our family when we first started going there. And this was like many years ago. It was like 2000, I think. When we started going to the chiropractic. And she's educated us. And I think any industry, you want to develop a relationship with a client. You do want to educate them. And why is the process that way? and what is the benefit of having this process? And I think that in mm-hmm. fact you're doing that kind of just one more example of why that's the case. So you're now here at a very successful SEO firm. Is there something that you're growing towards or you see on the horizon is coming towards you next? What's next for you?
0: So I just finished writing a book on SEO tentatively titled Outrank. So I'm hoping to push that out later this year. And yeah, I mean, we've had such super fortunate and appreciative to be where I'm at without being aggressive. And so now I want to go, okay, let's see where we can go if we are aggressive. And so I want to push this book out and then I want to do, you know, some, a strong media campaign around it and yeah, just see where a real strong, intentional push takes us and we'll
1: see where that goes. That's terrific. Any last thoughts for our listeners?
0: I'll throw out some more free advice. You know, we talked about strategizing content, how we do a 52 week content calendar. Um, if you go to seonational.com slash free, it's a totally free download. You don't, I don't need your email. I don't need nothing like entrepreneur is my thing. You know, I really love of uh, the world of entrepreneurs and helping out the next guy. And so if you go there, totally free downloads, and that'll kind of give you a little blueprint on content strategizing and cheat sheets and, you know, where to start, even whether you're on day one or day 50, you know, there's something in that nine page cheat sheet that can kind of get you heading down the right path.
1: Yeah, I've downloaded, like you, like Damon said, you don't even need an email, just go to the page com forward slash free, and just click the button to download it. It's a great report. I highly recommend everybody just go there and look for that and grab it. It's a great resource. And I encourage you to take advantage of it. Well, Damon, it's been a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you for coming and spending time and giving your valuable advice to our audience.
2: You bet. Thanks for having me chat. Thank you for listening to the Solopreneur Success Podcast. We hope you discovered valuable advice on how to start and grow your own successful solopreneur business. If you liked the podcast, you'll love the all new Solopreneur Success Connections community at solopreneurcoach.com. Here you'll get exclusive access to our private, members-only community of business builders, free business building resources, and live, online monthly training designed to accelerate your business success. Join us now at solopreneurcoach.com.
1: Hey, solopreneurs, it's Steve Combs again. You can find all the show notes, including the link to Damon's free SEO cheat sheet, his content calendar templates, and the Amazon link to pre-order Damon's new book, Outrank, at solopreneurcoach.com forward slash 023. Next week, I'll be back with cash flow management specialist David Safir, who helps companies survive major cash crunches and help new companies avoid them in the first place. And one last thing before I sign off today. I wanted to share some big news from the Solopreneur Success Connections community. If you're a solopreneur, but miss the perks of the big corporate world like discounted entertainment and travel, I've got you covered. Today, I officially announced our new member deals benefit that saves you big time on movie tickets, Broadway plays, theme park admissions, hotels, car rental shopping, and a lot of other things. It's a totally free benefit for every member of my Solopreneur Success Connections community. And if you're not a member yet, you can join for 30 days for free with discount code SS. Thirty free. That's S three zero F R E E. You'll find that code as well as a link to join us in the show notes for this episode. Again, that link is solarpreneurcoach.com forward slash zero two three. I hope you'll join us. That's all for now. I'll talk to you next week.